Hello Ignite. Um, it's good to see you all. Um, obviously this is something that is different for us. Um, we're an online church this morning. And I, before we jump in, I just want to explain to you why we did what we did. Um, God has blessed us as a church and brought many people uh, to faith in Christ and many people that call Ignite their church home. And uh, because of that, um, some of our services regularly are over the 250 person um, spot. And so we were really, really excited about that. God continues to do amazing things. Uh, but when the governor of Minnesota came on um, on Friday and said, hey, um, we want to limit groups of 250 people or, or, or over. We want to, if you can do online, uh, capabilities, please do that. And, and we said, you know what, we want to, we want to submit to our governing officials on this. Um, if they were to put up something, let's say like, uh, a, a do not travel advisory for weather, if the state of Minnesota were to say, Hey, don't travel today. The weather's bad. We will go, you know what, we're going to, we're going to cancel church. Uh, for that. And so much in that same category, that's why we decided to do online church. We want to keep uh, people safe, but we also want to do our part in helping get ahead of all of these things. Um, and, and, and so with that, though, I want to just share with you four big things that I want to talk about um, that are really good and important in this time, as well as just really in life. Number one is this, we want to live wisely. We want to use wisdom. God has given us things to, to live wisely. In fact, he also gives us his wisdom when we ask for it. So we want to live wisely. We don't want to bury our head in the sand and pretend like nothing is going on. We don't, But we also don't want to panic either. So we want to live wisely. And so that's what we're doing right now. We believe that this is the wisest course of action. Number two, we want to choose what we're focusing on. Um, it's going to be really easy in the days and weeks to come to really, really focus and watch a ton of news, watch it, you know, listen to talk radio, uh, get buried deep into social media, all those things. Um, while I would say we want you to be informed, we want you to continue to keep uh, on the updates and whatnot, um, I would say this, don't spend all your time watching the news. Don't spend all your time on social media. Um, there's ways that this can become obsessive and really just breed anxiety. And so while we want to live wisely and stay informed, we want to focus on the things that we should be focusing on. We want to focus on things that are life-giving. We want to focus on things that we can be a blessing to others. We want to focus on the people uh, around us. But choose carefully what you're going to spend your time focusing on, what the focus of your conversations are going to be. Number three, do good. Do good. We have a tremendous opportunity as the church to be a blessing to people. Um, we, can, we can help people out. We can go visit. We can send encouraging cards. We can call. We can text. We can gather together in smaller groups. Um, we, can, we can do all these things. There's so many opportunities. Listen, the church has a legacy, a 2,000-year legacy of doing good and standing up in times like this. It's at this time that our church can join the ranks, so to speak, of other churches in the history of the world where we step up in the face of crisis and we bless other people in the name of Jesus. And finally this, pursue the Lord. Number four is pursue the Lord. We want to live wisely. We want to choose what we're focusing on. We want to do good. We want to pursue the Lord. This is a time 
uh, to you, you're, you have less distractions now maybe than ever. This is a time when you can really dig into the Word of God, that you can pray, that you can journal your thoughts, that you can uh, talk to your brothers and sisters in, in Christ. We can, we can gather together in life groups and we can pursue the Lord together. I'd recommend uh, downloading uh, the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, and there's tons of reading programs that are in that. In fact, I'm in, I'm in one right now. I'm I'm uh, I'm reading the Old Testament in a year, so it gives me about two to four chapters a day, and there's some videos along with it from the Bible Project. So it's the Bible Project, Old Testament in a year. Been very helpful and very rich in my understanding of the scriptures, but also the character and nature of God. And so we can rest and know that God has this, he's, he's got us in control, and uh, we can move forward in this time. So, so live wisely, choose what you're focusing on, do good, and pursue the Lord. That's what we're going to be continuing to do, um, and we're going to be doing this today. We're actually going to continue in our sermon series in Matthew, which is amazing that God would give us this scripture. Uh, we knew six months ago that we'd be preaching this on this day as we do our sermon planning. And so we're going to be in Matthew uh, chapter 9. Uh, we're going to continue on, and we get to see in Matthew 9 how the king, kingdom of heaven continues to advance. There's lots of things going on. Um, Jesus is healing people. Jesus is teaching people. There's all these incredible things, right? And so we have this amazing reality that the kingdom of heaven and the king has arrived, and he's advancing his kingdom here on earth, bringing healing and wholeness and new hearts and a better future and new minds and all these different things. But we see that, that Jesus gave us his charge to continue to move forward and, and advance the kingdom of heaven. But we understand today, more than ever, that the kingdom of heaven isn't fully realized on this earth. That there's still darkness and dark forces at play. Um, it would take you just two seconds to you know, see the injustices and the disease, but the oppression and the darkness and the demonic activity that happens and death and decay. And this is nothing new. In fact, I want to read you something from June 4th, 1940, uh, where one of the most uh, famous speeches um, was ever uh, recorded. It's, it's one of the most famous speeches in history, and it's right at the beginning of World War II. Um, the Nazi agenda is fully established. Uh, it is engulfing Europe at this time. And uh, Winston Churchill uh, uh, of the UK stood up um, to the House of Commons and delivered this speech. He talks about it. And there's a quote just from, from one of his most famous speeches. This is what he had to say. Even though large tracts of Europe and many old and famous states have fallen or may fall into the grip of the Gestapo and all the odious apparatus of Nazi rule, we will not flag or fail. We shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and in the oceans. We shall fight with, and with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Churchill would give this speech and he would inspire a nation to rise up, to have courage put back into them, to fight a battle worth fighting. That there was darkness in the world, but there was light and that light was worth fighting for. It was worth giving our lives for. And what's amazing to me is that Churchill's just a man. 
Okay, had his flaws, had his has character deficiencies, had all those different things. He's he's just a man, and yet he tapped into something so important in that moment uh, that he gave courage to other people. Why? Because he recognized that although there was darkness, there was also light. And that light would not be overtaken by darkness. And if a, if a man, if a mere mortal, okay, if, if Winston Churchill, just a man, if he can inspire that into a nation and still today really get us going, right? If he can do that, how much more Jesus? How much more the author and perfecter of our faith, the God of the universe? And so I want to start with this, and this is the this is the big thing, and this is really appropriate for our time, and it's appropriate for every time, and that's this. The Holy Spirit of God in us is greater than the darkness around us. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit of God in us is greater than the darkness around us. Often the Bible will use Bible, the, the Bible will use imagery of dark and light. Okay, so, so we see this throughout scripture. We see, actually see this right away in Genesis 1. There was darkness and God said, let there be light, right? Like he spoke light into being and, and God is the God of light. And he even says that there's no shadow of turning, which means God radiates light. He's eminent. He, it's the source of light by which it radiates out for him. He doesn't have a place where he's not light. He is light and he speaks light into the darkness, and what we see often is, is, is that the darkness is seen as chaos, the darkness is sin, the darkness is emptiness, the darkness is evil. In fact, if we think about like even nighttime, okay? So night is, nighttime is beautiful because of light. We see the moon, we see the stars, we see the northern lights, right? On this dark canvas backdrop, light shine, and that's what makes the nighttime really beautiful. And so we have this dark and we have this light and we, we, see, we see this clash often throughout the scriptures that there's a, there's a kingdom of darkness and there's a kingdom of light and those will clash together. And, 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 and sometimes we feel like we just get caught in the fray. Or maybe today you feel like you've been just wrapped up in the darkness and that you're powerless and you're hopeless and you don't know where relief is going to come from. And that's what we're going to be talking about today is how Jesus, Jesus walks through this and gives us light. So we're going to be in Matthew 9. We're going to start in verse 32, and then uh, we're, going to, we're going to continue uh, moving through our scriptures through Matthew. So the first thing we see this is that there's a fight between dark and light, and that fight is real. That fight is very, very real. Um, in verse 30, 32, it says this. As they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man was mute, was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. This is right after the two blind men. So you got, first off, you have two, two blind men who follow Jesus right there. They're crying out, have mercy on a son of David. He heals them. Um, and then right after that, and they, they were not told to go tell anybody, and yet they did the exact opposite. They just run up. And as they're doing that, Jesus comes up and he sees a man who's been mute. They, people brought this mute man to him. I can't imagine not being able to speak, um, right? Some of you are probably like, man, I really wish he was able to not speak at times. But And sometimes my family, I bet, probably wonders the same thing. But, but I can't imagine not being able to speak. 
um, to see things, to observe things, right? And then to not be able to interact with them with my voice. Um, that's got to be so difficult. And, and how many times does this man see Jesus but couldn't cry out to him? Now, what we also see in this is that not only is he mute, but he's mute because of a specific thing. It's that a demon had been oppressing him. That a demon was keeping him from being able to speak. Now, there's a difference between demonic activity and, and, and other things. Like, and, and so what we see is, and this is what the tricky thing is, is so often um, demonic activity uh, presents itself in ways that look natural. So we see people having uh, seizures. Uh, uh, and, and like muteness, like that's what we've seen so far in terms of in our journey through Matthew. Well, seizures could be epilepsy, seizures can be a lot of different things, uh, but it also could be demonic activity, and that's what we saw with that. And 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 now we see with mute, uh, this mute man that he was mute not because of um, uh, medical reasons, but because of spiritual forces, uh, demonic activity at play. And uh, here's the thing. Jesus knows the difference, okay? This is what we have to remember. Jesus knows the difference between what is a medical condition and what is demonic activity. Even though they might, they might present the same thing, the source is, is something else. And so Jesus removes the effect. He removes the muteness. He releases his tongue. He's able to speak again um, by casting out the source, which was demonic activity. Jesus Jesus is always going after the source. He's always going after the root cause. He's always going after the heart. And this is no different. He goes after the root cause. Yes, the man can't speak, but what's happening is this demon is oppressing him and Jesus casts out the demon. He's finally able to speak again. That's just a, a beautiful picture. And, and one this, Jesus is a great physician. He is the great physician. So he knows exactly the care that needs to be administered to every person. And two, note the mercy here. Um, this mute man, um, he did nothing to earn this. Actually, in all the healings, we didn't see anybody prove themselves to be worthy of healing. The woman who was bleeding, the child who was dead, the men who were blind, the man who was possessed by demons, uh, this mute man, none, uh, you know, the paralytic, none of these people, like, in fact, actually, even with the paralytic, it's a, it says that the man, like, he had to have his, he had his sins forgiven, right? So often, I think we, we still buy into this lie that we have to, that we have to clean ourselves up. Right? We've we'll, we got to clean ourselves up and then God will love us. God will bless us. We just got to clean ourselves up. And the reality is this, is there's so many things at play, including even our own sinful nature that bend away from God and not to God. That we, It's impossible. We can't clean ourselves up. It's impossible to clean yourself up before you come to Jesus. Uh, it's impossible for us to withstand that. There's no amount of human exertion that we, can, that we can display, that Jesus will say, that's worthy of healing. I can heal that guy because he's proved himself worthy. No, that's not how this works. We come to Jesus in our brokenness. And in the middle of this fight, Jesus brings light into our life. Because here's the thing. The fight is not for you to win. The fight is Jesus' victory. This is Jesus' victory. And so we come to him and, and the demons cower in Jesus' presence. They flee. They beg. They do all these different kinds of things in the, in the presence of Jesus. And so the way 
when you're bogged down by demonic activity and discouragement, we bring all of that to Jesus. And the demons flee. This is a powerful moment. But what's really interesting is, is what happens next, right? We see this fight. We see this clash between darkness and light. We see um, God doing all these amazing things. And then we see uh, the demons flee. And we go, yep, that's good. We should be all good to go. But what we see is that not only is the fight real, but that the fight won't stop until Jesus returns. That the fight is persistent. Um, it's unbelievable where the fight comes from. And we're going to see that on many fronts. Um, but this is where we see in the second half of verse 33 to 34, it says this. And the crowds marveled, right? They, they saw Jesus uh, do this. They marveled. Never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, he casts out demons by the prince of demons. We're right on the edge, of, we're right on the heels of a healing, right? Like a heels of a healing? Heels of a healing. We'll go there. Right after a healing happens, uh, this happens, right? And so <laughs> Jesus just healed a man. He cast out a demon. The man can speak again. The crowds marvel. And the Pharisees, the religious elites of this day, the religious leaders of the day, what do they do? They actually blaspheme God. They commit blasphemy. They, they credited the power of God to the power of Satan. In fact, they say that God in the flesh, Jesus himself, is actually a Satanist, worshiping Satan under the authority of Satan. That's what they just said in this moment. It's a bold statement. Why, why, would, they, why would they say that? Why would, why would they say that? Why are the Pharisees responding this way? Well, we start to see this pattern start to emerge. One, um, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount back in Matthew uh, 5 through 7, we see that Jesus says, listen, your righteousness, if you're going to be part of the kingdom, your righteousness needs to exceed that of the Pharisees. See, the Pharisees thought that they had it made, that they were the bar, and if you could meet their standards, then you were in, because they were the gatekeepers. And Jesus says, oh, no, 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 bar much higher than the Pharisees, which means they're no longer better than everybody. They also need the mercy of God. In fact, that's the only way we're going to get to heaven is the mercy and grace of God found in Jesus Christ. And so right there, they were they used to think themselves as the gatekeepers to heaven, and now they realize that they have to they're not even close. Also, Jesus has this tendency uh, to hang out with sinners. He's got this really bad habit, the Pharisees think, that he's hanging out with sinners. And why do they hang out with those people? Also, he wouldn't bow down to their human traditions. They had certain things that they were doing that fasting is a good thing, but they had their own way of fasting and saying that they were, you know, like they had the little nuances and these human traditions and, and they thought they were better than everybody else. And Jesus Jesus doesn't bow down to their traditions. And also we saw with the, with the paralytic man, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, which means he's making himself, he's proclaiming, I'm God, because only God can forgive sins. And then he goes and heals him physically. And the Pharisees, that was just too much. They, they couldn't handle the fact that he said, I'm God, and at the same time, and I heal as proof that I'm God. Because if, if that's true, if that's true, then the, then the Pharisees have to submit and humble themselves. 
And since Jesus wouldn't appease their arrogance, and they were unwilling to let go of their arrogance, their hearts grow hard. Their hearts grow hard. And ironically, they, in this crazy twist, we see that people who are supposed to point people to God are actually crediting the power of God to Satan. They actually start doing the work of the enemy. Their arrogance and their refusal to let go of that arrogance put them on a different team to start doing the work of the enemy. Satan will use anything for his end. Like he'll use disease, he'll use arrogance, he'll use success. And in this place, he's even using some deceived religious leaders to spread his propaganda. They claim that they knew God, and yet in this moment, they're fighting against God. They have, they're seeing God face to face. That's why people are like, well, if I saw God, then I would believe him. I'm like, well, a lot of people saw God, and they said that he was worshiping a, he was a worshiping Satanist. So it's not about sight with our eyes. It's about faith and trust and humility. It's about, it's about putting your trust in Jesus. It's about trusting in his character, even when you can't see him or can't see his activity. It's about faith. It's about trust. It's about, it's about humility. It's about getting rid of our arrogance. Here they are. They're fighting against Jesus right on the heels, right after he heals someone, right after a mute person spoke. And people are like, we've never seen this before. This is insane. This is crazy. This is amazing. And they're like, no, that's the work of the devil. He's a Satanist. That's, that's how he's doing these things. Crazy. Their arrogance has so blinded them and their hearts are so hard. Listen, the, the battle rages on today. The people want to say that Jesus isn't who he is. People say, well, he's not the son of God. He's not, he never said he was God. He, yes, he did. And there are things that he did that showed us that he was God in the flesh. And yet this battle rages on and we're like, man, well, if, if the disciples had Jesus with them, then what are we supposed to do? Here's the great thing about our king. He's actually already thought of that. He's actually already thought of that. And we have these resources for the battle. Number one, we find this, uh, the big resource that we find, and we find it in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. In Acts 1.8, Jesus says, he's, this is, Jesus has went to the cross, died, buried, now rose from the dead. And he says, he's going to go back up into heaven. He says, before I leave, you need to understand this. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When we give our lives to Jesus, he gives us his Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God dwells within you, Christian. The Spirit of God dwells within you, follower of Jesus. Isn't that incredible? God gave us his power. So the first resource we have, the power of God within us. The Holy Spirit dwelling within us to give us power, wisdom, 
insight, courage. God gives us his spirit. Manifests itself in love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This spirit of God gives us the power to overcome sin. The first resource God gave us was his power to dwell within us. Man, that's incredible. That's just amazing to me. The other thing that we get as followers of Jesus, standard issue, is God's armor. God gives all of his believers armor, spiritual armor. We pick it up in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day and have done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes of your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. For every follower of Jesus, when you give your life to Jesus, he gives us his spirit within us and he gives us armor, spiritual armor to protect us. Before this in the text, it talks about our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and rulers of of darkness. Okay. So he gives us this armor. He gives us a belt. A belt is something that holds everything together. We, you know, you can hang things on a belt. He says the belt that's going to hold everything together for you is truth. God's truth is what holds everything together for us. If we don't put on our belt, everything doesn't fit right and everything starts to fall off. We have to understand God has given us his truth. Through his word, the Holy Scriptures, God has given us his truth. And so we can have that fastened around us, his truth. The breastplate of righteousness. The the breastplate covers your vital organs. Right? It is, it is the area where we're more susceptible to, to death. And, and when you get shot at, people want to shoot all around here. Why? Because this is where the vital organs are. And Jesus says, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to give you a breastplate of my righteousness. You understand that the righteous life of Jesus is credited to us and it protects us. It protects our our vital organs. Jesus says, I will cover you with my righteousness, my right standing with the Father. The shoes of the gospel of peace. That that we get shoes, we get really cool shoes. Um, They're they're really nice and they're very comfortable. And when you break them in, they're wonderful. And the shoes of the gospel of peace, which means this, wherever you go, the message of Jesus goes with you. And whenever you leave someplace, a footprint of the gospel is left behind. When we put on the shoes of the gospel of peace, we leave the imprint of the gospel of Jesus wherever we go. The shield of faith, right? The shield of faith. Our our shield is given to us of our trust in Jesus and extinguishes the darts of the enemy, which means our faith and trust in Jesus. When the darts come and the doubts come and the attacks come, and, and you understand, like, when all those things come, we have this, but I know my God, I know my God, I know my God. 
when you have those thoughts like God doesn't hear your prayers or God won't never speak to you, God won't do these things and God won't, God is out of, God's out of control of this. You go, no, 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 I know my God. I have my shield of faith and those, st- those darts stick into the shield and they get extinguished. Those flaming darts. He says, no, I know my God. I know who he is. And I know what he's about. I know his character because I've hung my life on the truth of God. I know my God. The helmet of salvation, the helmet that protects our minds is this, is that God saves us even when we didn't deserve it. God saves us. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We saw this when Jesus was tempted in the desert. What did he use? He used the word of God to attack his enemy, to to, to fend off his enemy, to deliver a blow to his enemy. He uses scripture. And so that's why at the beginning of this message, we talked about it's really important that you spend time in the word of God. Why? Because this is, this is what we use to push back the darkness. And remember this, guys. The Holy Spirit of God in us is greater than the darkness around us. It's always been true. It's just going to feel more real in these moments. It's always been true. Church, we we have everything we need for this battle. We have the Spirit of God. We have the Word of God. We have the people of God that even though we can't gather in large groups at this time, clusters of the church are going to gather. We've always said this, right? The church isn't about a building. It's about a people. And so gather with your life groups. Pray for one another. Go out and serve one another and serve our community in these times. We have the people of God. We have the word of God. We have the spirit of God. We have the armor of God. And we have the, when we fail in these areas, when we, when we fall short, we're just like, ah, when we forget and all those things, we have the mercy of God found in the cross of Jesus Christ. That even when we fail, Jesus's righteousness covers us. It's what he did for us. His right living and his right standing, he gave and credited to us and took our place on the cross and then rose from the dead to show that he had conquered even death itself. Church, we live in unusual times, stuff that we've only read about in history books. We're now starting to experience here. But know that what was available 2,000 years ago is still available to us today. The Spirit of God, the armor of God, the people of God, the Word of God, the mercy of God. We have everything we need. Let's go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this time. Lord, I ask now that as we go out into the world, as we gather in groups, as we live our lives, Lord, I pray, I pray that we would know this truth that the battle rages on, but God, the days of darkness are numbered. And you're giving people time to turn to you in these moments. Let us us go out and leverage this time to tell more people about Jesus. And knowing that these these trials and these tribulations are light and momentary. God, let us be of good courage. Let us encourage one another. 
let us remember that you are the God of courage who gives it to us. We love you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.